across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Let us get down to business, ladies and gentlemen. The noose is tightening around our economy and we need to make sure that it isn't suffocated altogether. Restaurants are shutting up shop, pubs are ever more deserted and even our supermarkets are having to ration groceries to the idiots who are still panic buying up and down the country. Some of them are now saying you'll only be able to buy three of anything that you want to try and put into your trolley. Today, we return to the Houses of Parliament for Prime Minister's questions, a rather luxurious distraction to the corruption coronavirus crisis we find ourselves in. Yesterday, Chancellor Rishi Sunak unveiled a £350 billion kiss of life for businesses and individuals who are coming up against it. But where is the help for people who rent their uh, houses and homes rather than people who own them? Where is the help for freelancers? Where is the help for the self-employed? And for those people who literally have nowhere to go because they've been told not to go to work. The hard-working people of this country deserve protection from this ghastly disease and its financial consequences which are going to be far worse than anything that can do. Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to sit here and criticise what the government is doing. What I am saying is that this is by far and away the biggest financial disaster that this country has ever experienced. Make no mistake, forget about 2008, forget about the banks collapsing, forget about 9-11, forget about Black Monday back in the 80s, forget about the mortgage rates going through the roof uh, when you had to pay 15% interest. That is nothing compared to what is going to happen now. Today, we will make a special effort to speak to more of you, the people right at the heart of the storm to gauge how you're feeling, how you're coping and what you are going to do next because I know lots of you tried to get on in the last two days and weren't able to. Today I am putting you as the priority because we need to hear your stories, we need to hear what you're saying, we need to hear what you're hearing and we need to know what you know please. 0344 499 1000 Coming up we will bring you the latest from Downing Street, from our hospitals and from the front lines of all of our communities. We'll talk to Bobby Friedman as well about these new rules which apparently are suggesting that if the government decides to do so they may well indeed forcibly quarantine people. They may well indeed forcibly arrest people and take them off the streets. Uh, you're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station in the world. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, we know that there are emergency powers in place, but very few of those emergency powers have ever really been used. We know uh, that planning rules allow restaurants and pubs to run as takeaways, if that's the case. I was in a pub yesterday afternoon, and there were a few people in there, but the people I spoke to who worked there were really nervous about their futures because, you know, they're not sitting there making an absolute fortune. They're sitting there making enough, enough money to live on. Uh, the woman who was standing behind the bar was a drama school student. She said that her drama school had been shut down, much against her better judgment, much against her wishes, but because of a few people who agitated for it to be closed because they could afford to go home back to their wealthy parents' houses and sit around eating, you know, farfalle uh, with a mild vegan tomato sauce. Well, I'm sorry. There are lots of people in this country who need to go to work on a daily basis because they don't have any savings. They don't have any money to fall back on and they need to get to work every single day and they can't do it from home because they work in manual jobs. Many of them have come here from other countries to make their fortune and we owe them a duty of care. Let's talk to Bobby Friedman, uh, who is, of course, uh, our very friendly barrister and uh, political commentator who's going to talk us through what it is that these emergency powers will give the government and when they might kick in. Bobby, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. First of all, I suppose I should start with how you're coping with this particular situation and what you're doing about it. Well, I am working from home. For, uh, for barristers, we've, a lot of us have been joking that really we're in self-isolation most of the time because we, uh, we go, to the work, go to work, we're not allowed to shake hands with anybody, which is the tradition, right. and basically we don't talk to people anyway, so uh, not much different. But and also nobody okay. likes barristers, so you don't have to worry about too much about meeting people. Well, exactly, people don't want to, <laughs> to uh, socialise with us anyway. No, quite. But, I mean, no, on, on a serious note, of course, you know, having a... A very fundamental impact. I mean, I, I do think that people should follow the government's guidance. So, obviously, you would normally find me in a pub or in a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'm not going to pubs, I'm not going to restaurants. So, I'm going to be living a very boring life. But do you not feel a slight duty of care to those organisations that you normally would frequent in terms of keeping them going? Because I was speaking to a guy that I've become friendly with, Cyrus Todiwala, who's the uh, Indian chef who owns the Cafe Spice restaurant. And, you know, I feel as if I should go to his restaurant and buy dinner and sit there and eat it. Well, I, I think it's trying to do what you can while sticking with the government guidance. Yeah. So, for example, going to a restaurant 
getting a takeaway and taking it home mm. is a good way of giving the money to the restaurant. I do absolutely think that people should try and keep spending money. If you're fortunate enough uh, to be in a position where you still will have money and you can, you're still going to be paid, uh, then, then you should try and do that. Because, and that, that's not just for the people that, that you're directly giving that money to, but it's about all of us doing it. As you were saying in your introduction, this is going to be a vast, vast economic shock. And one of the ways we can, we can best protect uh, the economy as a whole against that is by all of us continuing to spend where we can. And of course, if you think about the fact that you might have gone out for dinner on, on the weekend or you might have paid to go to a football match, you've got that money that you might have, have spent. And so try and think, are there people that you, that you can give it to instead of other services that you can use? Yes, exactly right. And as far as these emergency powers are concerned, I mean, Boris Johnson made it very clear a couple of days ago in his first sort of proper statement on Monday that the government has had these emergency powers really for quite some time, I think since they were brought in in the 80s. But can you envisage them actually being used? Uh, well, I can. I, I think they, the plan is to go further. There is an emergency powers bill that is being unveiled today. Uh, that apparently is expected to go through on the nod in the, in the House of Commons. So I think... For once, and you, you know me, Mike, I'm, uh, I'm no fan of, of Jeremy Corbyn, but if Jeremy Corbyn and, and, and uh, the Labour Party do get behind this and the SNP and Lib Dems as well to allow this to go through quickly, I think that is something that we should all applaud. And, and that, you know, we are in a different time now. We, we're effectively in a war, just not against other humans, but, but against the virus. And therefore, uh, I think it is right that politicians are treating it like that. And we, there is cross-party cooperation. But, but I can see these powers being used. And we, we've seen, for example, in Spain, uh, where people have been quarantined at home, you can be arrested for, for going out for non-essential reasons. Mm. And, I, and I think, uh, ultimately, I don't think many people in this country will be comfortable, generally comfortable, with the idea that people can be locked up without trial. But this is an extraordinary time. And if you look at the modelling that, that has come out recently, you're talking about uh, potentially up to half a million people dying if we don't bring in uh, proper social distancing measures. And so that's really what, what's on the table here. So, so the, the police do need to have these powers. And if someone has coronavirus or has the symptoms of it and is ignoring that quarantine and is going out and is spreading it, uh, you know, that could kill thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. So that, is, that is why those powers are, g- are going to happen. Well, to we be. have a situation here at Talk Radio this morning, right, about Matthew Wright. Matthew Wright has been off work for two days, wants to come back to work, and he's apparently being allowed to come back to work. We are saying we don't want him to come back to work because he may have the coronavirus. He says he doesn't have it, but how do we know? Well, and, and, how, and how does he know? The, the, the point is that the government is... The, the NHS is not testing people at, at the moment uh, unless you are hospitalised. There are, there are lots of people. I mean, I have to say, I, I think I, I may have had it. I had some, some of the symptoms fairly, fairly mildly. Um, I don't know. And, and so I, I stayed at home for that period uh, in accordance with the government guide, guidelines. You, you have to do that. But uh, every individual person will always think that they have something important that they need to do. Jeremy Corbyn said that he's not going to be in self-isolation, even though the government... Right. Uh, yeah, how does that work? I mean, he's supposed to be the leader of the opposition, but he's ignoring the advice from the, from the government. Yes, and, and I, I think it's setting a terrible example. Of course, there will be people over 70 who feel that they are perfectly healthy and want to go about their normal lives. Of course, there will be someone who wakes up with, with a bit of a cough in the morning. It's a new and persistent cough, but they think, oh, I, I feel fine, I've got an important meeting that I need to get to, I've got, or I've got a date that I want to go on, I don't, uh, this is my shot at it. There are all sorts of reasons why, for all of us, we want to go out. It's not fun being at home. It, it, you know, I, I can say from my, my few days that I spent at home in, in isolation, it drove me nuts. Of course it does. Uh, I want to be going to the gym. I want to be doing all, all of the normal things. But you, you ultimately have to accept the science and accept the, the guidance. And if the government is telling us to, to do this, uh, then you have to follow it to, to the letter. Because unless everyone does it, uh, then it's going to have that wider impact on society. It will kill people. Yes, exactly right. And the problem is that, you know, it's difficult sometimes to balance those two things. Like I said to you, and I was in a pub yesterday afternoon, uh, there were some people in there, but it was pretty quiet. But the people who are in that bar uh, working there are terrified that they're going to lose not only their livelihoods, but they're going to lose everything because it's all very well for the government to say, well, we will pay you money if you need it. But if you're not actually covered by any kind of, I don't know, uh, employment contract, if you're working in the gig economy... It might be a long time before you can get your hands on that money. 
Well, well, exactly. I think those are the people that uh, Rishi Sunak, the, uh, the Chancellor, yesterday started talking about them, but he, uh, but he, but he didn't really put forward concrete measures for, for those sorts of people, the freelancers, people in, in the gig economy, people who will, who will be out of work, the, the kind of electricians and uh, decorators who may, who may well not, not be able to work, not get work, not be allowed to work because of the quarantine measures. Uh, and it's, it's people like that that really will be most badly affected by this. I think oh, the first step is, though, that if there is guidance that, um, that you can't go, that you shouldn't go to restaurants, ultimately people, people shouldn't do that. And I don't think people should be going to restaurants uh, and pubs. It, as I say, it's about trying to think creatively, trying to help uh, give, give people money where you can. As I say, you can still get a, a, a takeaway from a restaurant. Um, there, there are still other things that you can, you can do. If you have a, a, a fitness instructor, can you do it over Skype? So they tell you, tell you what you're doing. But, but, but ultimately, hard as it is, and, and terrible as it, as it is for people in, in those industries, um, we ultimately have to make a decision, which is do we take the financial hit or, or do people die? And that is the choice. Yes, and, th- and I think that's absolutely right. And all of the modelling would suggest that there will be quite a few people who do suffer uh, the, ul- the ultimate kind of punishment or the ultimate uh, horror of dying or seeing their old elderly parents dying. Um, and some people are able to absorb that, some people are not. But surely what we have to all do as a community is to make sure that you know we are as safe as we can possibly be. Well, well, that's right. And it's, it's, it's a very strange situation, isn't it? Because for, particularly for, for younger people, you know, I'm in my, my mid-30s. I'm not going to die from coronavirus. It isn't a, a threat to, to my personal health beyond being ill for a couple of days. But, but what it is a threat is to, uh, you know, my, my family, older people in my family, my, my friends and their parents and their grandparents and to society as a whole. So that's what we have to accept is that even though actually... But uh, particularly for younger people, the immediate impact on themselves may not feel like it's that substantial. And it may feel like the, the hardship that we're going to have to go through over the next few months in terms of the, the, the quarantine and not going out and the social distancing is very great. The, the, pur- the purpose of all that is for, for everybody else in society. And you, uh, if you wouldn't want it for your own parents or grandparents, then you wouldn't want it for someone else's. And that's what, what people are going to have to, to bear in mind. But it will, it, psychologically, it's going, to, it's going to be very difficult for, for people. And obviously I can see why it's, it's going to take a, a, an awful lot of getting used to for, for all of us. Absolutely right. And when would you expect the government to move from what they are currently doing, which is basically recommending, to actually enforcing? Well, I, I think the government's going to probably take into account what businesses actually do in, in response to this. So, um, you know, how many restaurants are closing? A lot of the, the bigger chains are, are doing, uh, are, are actually closing down and they clearly are, are probably better prepared for it because they, they are larger businesses. From, just from my own anecdotal evidence of, of walking around, um, the most restaurants still seem to be open, most pubs still seem to be open. So I think really by the end of this week, uh, I would imagine we may well move to, towards some, some kind of compulsory quarantine. And I think one of the, the tactics that government has been doing is to, to float ideas and then bring them in a few days later and almost to get people used to them. So instead of having that hard cut off where people would have been thrown out of the pubs at, um, at eight o'clock or, or, on Monday evening, mm. um, now probably people are getting used to the idea of not going to the pub, but I imagine probably by the end of the week they'll forcibly be, co- be closed. Yeah, I wonder whether that's going to be the case as well. Bobby, thanks very much indeed. Bobby Friedman there, a barrister and a political commentator, social commentator really as well, because we need to hear from all of you out there. Lots of people are telling me anecdotally that their school, uh, that their chi- that their kids are going to, uh, are probably going to close down, possibly Friday, possibly early next week, certainly not because of the coronavirus itself, but because an awful lot of the teachers are refusing to come to uh, work and refusing to come and to mingle with the kids. Because let's face it, if the government's telling everybody to stay home, uh, if, if they can do so, and to work from home, if they can do so, it doesn't make an awful lot of sense, does it, to keep the schools open? However, of course, we are getting very close to Easter holidays and what we don't want to do, and I've mentioned this before to you, uh, is taking people away from jobs which are essential, particularly in the health service, so they have to go home and look after their children. Maybe we need to have a third way. Perhaps we need to find a way of putting the children 
in uh, out of harm's way, away from school, but somehow without having to have the parents looking after them. There must be enough people, surely, uh, out there who can look after children uh, en masse, if you like. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. Much to do uh, and not so much time to do it in. We're here, of course, until one o'clock. Uh, here's one from Mark. He says, every cloud has a silver lining, mate. Only two episodes of EastEnders a week. Woohoo! Uh, this is on the news that EastEnders set has apparently been shut down uh, and they're not going to be working on it full time uh, as they were. Norm says, boss, as a self-employed person, it's very hard to claim anything. I'd like to see the government come out right and say all July tax payments are deferred until next year. If any person is using the time to pay scheme, this will be deferred until a later date. And Steve says, schools with thousands of pupils who can get coronavirus can still go on, but meeting a couple of mates in a bar is scientifically different. Absolute and utter total rubbish. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that certain things are apparently not recommended, but certain other things are not a problem. Let's go, as we have done, though, throughout the course of this crisis over the course of the last few weeks, gone to different countries. We're going to go over now to Brussels in Belgium, where James Franey, uh, a journalist, is based, because in about 10 minutes' time, they are going to lock down the Belgian country, and we'll find out from James precisely what that means. James, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. I've just got back from the supermarket, actually. I have to confess, I was stocking up on spaghetti and so on. So, um, <laughs> and what's uh, it like? Is, are, are, the, are the idiots there doing the same thing as the idiots here? Well, I must say it was a lot more serene than the scenes I've seen back in the UK. Uh, Belgians seemingly taking this in their stride, as they have done really since the start of this corona crisis over the past weeks and mm. months. Um, no, no scenes of any bedlam uh, with people um, go, going through the aisles and picking up the uh, essential supplies that they need. However, of course, as I mentioned, it is pretty hard to get uh, pasta and toilet roll at the moment. OK. And, uh, and why has yeah. it taken... I mean, what's the journey time been for you to get from wherever it was you started to lockdown? Because obviously here in Britain, we've still got this kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, try not to go out kind of mentality rather than actually anything specific about, um, you know, something being enforced. Yes, yeah, it's a great question, actually, because Belgium really went from one extreme to the other. On Friday, the government announced that they were going to shut down uh, bars and restaurants as a, as, as a way of uh, uh, preventing the, uh, the virus from being spread. Uh, Belgium promptly ignored that advice and either went out to the pub on Friday night or crossed over the border into Germany and the Netherlands in search of a pint. So right. I think that's what prompted uh, this really sea change uh, from the government when they announced yesterday um, that they will have this uh, police-enforced lockdown mm. uh, within the next 10 minutes. Right. And what does it actually mean, then? Are you uh, disallowed from going anywhere? No, not quite, Mike. So um, there's a few exceptions to how um, this is playing out compared to what uh, the French are doing. Um, some shops are open, so what's described as essential uh, stores, such as supermarkets, banks and petrol stations... Uh, bizarrely, hairdressers and bookstores are also allowed to uh, remain open. Oh, yeah. Uh, not, yeah, so short back in the size and the latest John Le Carre novel. <laughs> um, okay, if that's essential, um, let them decide. But um, and it's, there's a sort of mixed messages as well on the border because they're saying that the, you can only really go across the Belgian borders if that's absolutely essential to do so. Well, um, that obviously will uh, permit me you across know, border. Uh, workers from who you know work in Luxembourg or the Netherlands from uh, continuing um, to go to the office if they so have to, um, but we're not really sure as yet whether there'll be any uh, tougher uh, enforcement of that right. over the coming days, Mike. And so, does that mean that you, if you wish to, could come back to the UK, or are you sort of stuck there? Um, my bag's packed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, it's really unclear. I have to be honest. Uh, I'm really trying to decide what to do. Because uh, obviously you think about, you know, I could get back and, you know, spend spend this time and see out this crisis with my family and my relatives. Right. However, on the other hand, having to go, you know, from Brussels through London up to, up to the Cotswolds where my parents live, uh, you know, obviously you're worried about, you know, could you pick something up on the way there? Right. So uh, part of me thinks, should I just stay put and, uh, you know, I play on my new PlayStation. Which yeah, really. And, uh, because, I mean, Alex Phillips was here last week and she was telling me that she was coming back to the UK finally for good, but she wanted to make sure she got out of Brussels before it was locked down. But at that point, she didn't know when that was going to happen. Yeah, um, as, I, as I understand it, because Alex is a friend of mine, I believe her father is on the way over now, so let's hope he can get in. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so... Um, 
uh, let's see. I, I mean, we really don't know what's going to happen. What I can tell you is um, last night, the French Prime Minister, Philippe Edouard, said in an interview with the uh, France 2 television channel, uh, basically calling on the British government to toughen up uh, the measures uh, that they have in place. Mm. Um, he wants to see uh, stronger confinement rules, as it were, in the UK. Um, the simple reason, because he's worried that, um, you know, that, that there could be some sort of uh, infection that could be, uh, could be you know, spread if they were to come into, into France as well. So they may actually uh, get very tough on British nationals if uh, the British government uh, doesn't follow suit. So we right. have to wait and see how that plays out in the next few days. And what's the state of affairs with the EU Parliament? Because we've seen uh, various statements coming out of there. We understand that the actual um, uh, negotiations as such are more or less gone and nobody's really talking to anybody about EU trade or anything like that. But is the EU Parliament building still open? European Parliament has been shut now for over a week. Um, the EU district uh, where my flat is is a complete ghost town. Mm. Uh, ordinarily, at this time of day, you'd have all the officials and diplomats teaming around as they uh, head off for their two-hour lunch break. Um, <laughs> uh, there's, there's no one around here at the moment. What I understand is that a lot of the European Commission staff uh, are working from home, and European Parliament, as I say, is completely shut. So uh, you're, you're right that the, uh, the, the ongoing Brexit talks and the negotiations about that possible uh, free trade agreement are on ice for the moment. Okay. And as far as you're aware, how long is your situation going to go on for? I mean, how long before they lift this lockdown? So what the Belgian government announced last night is that these measures will be in place until uh, April 5th. Uh, obviously, we'll have to keep an eye on, on what happens in uh, France, in Germany. There is starting to be more coordination between the remaining EU27 uh, member states. Mm. Uh, obviously, it also requires uh, you know, people here in Belgium to uh, follow uh, the new rules that have been set down, because obviously that's what provoked this uh, toughening up of measures, as I say, at the weekend, when people were really not taking much notice of the advice to stay home. Mm. Uh, so uh, that's all to be played out. Yes, it's fascinating, isn't it, how it's all being played out differently in different parts of Europe. And are they being particularly, um, shall we say, stringent on any individual countries in Belgium, as far as you know? Like, are they treating Italy differently from Spain or are they treating Germany differently from Luxembourg? I mean, I have no real um, you know, solid information on that at this time, Mike. And what I can uh, tell you is that, you know, the police will be enforcing this lockdown and you will have to give a reason to the police why you're outside, why you're, uh, you know, um, are you going to the supermarket? Do you have some essential business that you need to be doing? Yeah. They haven't got to the same place as the French have yet. Uh, the French, uh, I don't know if you've heard, are insisting on uh, people having this uh, permission form to go out. Uh, signed and uh, explaining with what what uh, what you want to do outside. Um, if you fail to carry that, you could be fined between 40 and 135 euros. Belgium's not there yet, but as with regards to any differential treatment between EU nationals, I'm afraid I'm just simply not aware of that at this time. OK. Well, listen, James, thanks very much indeed for talking to us. Good luck with it all. Hopefully you've got enough spaghetti uh, and tins of baked beans to get you through. Uh, we don't know precisely when something similar might happen here, but it may well happen here sooner than you think, particularly in London, because we're now being told that of the deaths so far uh, in the UK from COVID-19 or the coronavirus, whichever you prefer to call it, uh, 25 of them have been in London, in the capital city, which means that London has been hit harder than any other part of the country. And we heard yesterday, uh, and it was the front page story on the Evening Standard, uh, that it may well be that London is shut down before anywhere else in the country as well. 0344 499 1000. That was James Franey, journalist based in Brussels. They're locking the place up in about two and a half minutes time. This is Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. So the Department of Health has actually issued a statement because this story has gone so far and become so viral, if you'll pardon the expression, uh, that they have felt the need to basically clarify. And what they say is, the Department of Health uh, says, various information is circulating on social media about which medicines to use to help treat the symptoms of coronavirus. NHS advice is to take paracetamol to treat the symptoms of coronavirus unless your doctor has told you it's not suitable for you. So let's go now uh, and talk to Tom Whipple to find out exactly what he knows, exactly why uh, there is a problem with these two particular situations. Tom, a very good morning to you. Welcome. 
Good morning. Hello. Yeah, first of all, Tom, um, I, have, I think I'm right in saying you've got a relatively young baby at home, am I, am I not? Uh, yes, yes. And yes. so I was just really wanting to ask you, as I do with all the guests that we have on the show now, how you're getting along with the coronavirus scenario, whether you're self-isolating, whether you're coming to work, what is going on? Well, our baby starts having a cough. Um, we are pretty certain it's just a cold, but uh, I'd be irresponsible if having written about all of the advice I then ignored it. So we're all at home for the next 14 days. My kids are off school. I'm standing in the garden, and we're trying to see where, where, if there are any shops left that are stocking paracetamol. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all very well saying take paracetamol rather than ibuprofen, but good luck finding any of it as far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, in including Calpol, the, the kids' version. It's just... Uh, it seems to be nowhere around. We've been scrounging it. Yes, absolutely right. And are you very relatively confident about the fact that, um, you know, babies are not really at any risk here? I, I, think, uh, I think you shouldn't ever say that any group is at no risk. Um, but we can see pretty clearly from the data so far that, uh, that babies just don't seem to be badly affected. That, you know, I don't think any of the fatalities have come among babies. Yeah, and what about this argument about ibuprofen versus paracetamol? What is, the, what is the truth of it? And you may not know that because the Department of Health don't seem to know it, but it's one of these sort of social media nightmares, isn't it, where something starts and just goes round and round and round. It is. I mean, it's, it's one of the saner social media nightmares that we've had about this. Um, so the, the official answer is that we don't know. Um, but it's not, it's not absurd to think that ibuprofen might have a negative effect if you've got the illness because it, um, it, it, it suppresses the immune system slightly because it's an anti-inflammatory. So uh, given that most people use paracetamol and ibuprofen interchangeably, uh, the advice is, well, just take a paracetamol. But if you're already on ibuprofen something else, then uh, don't stop that. Consult with your doctor. At the moment, there's, there's not much to indicate either way, but uh, given that we can choose, we might as well choose paracetamol. Well, quite. But, I mean, I mean, I don't know how much you know about the supply chain of, of such drugs and paracetamol and ibuprofen put together, but certainly I've not gone particularly looking for them. But what I'm doing now is whenever I go into a shop to buy, I don't know, some carrots or some cheese, I go, oh, let's just check and see if they've got any toilet paper and I'll get some, or if they've got any spaghetti and I'll get some. Um, I've noticed that if there is a place where, it, where you can buy paracetamol, there's nothing there. It's all, you know, it's like the locusts have been. Yeah, I mean, the problem is we're having um, a variety of sort of social panics and a bit like runs on the bank, but with Lurol or paracetamol. Yeah. Um, I, don't think, I don't think the paracetamol supply chain is relatively complex. It's obviously, you know, it's been a generic drug for ages. Uh, it's made in lots of places. But then, you know, we know that the, uh, the manufacturing process of Lurol isn't particularly complex, but we're still having shortages of that. Yes, exactly right. And, but, I mean, as far as the companies are concerned, are they going to ramp up production of this stuff? Um, I haven't heard. I mean, I suspect they will. But equally, you know, <laughs> once every household has got enough packets of paracetamol, this is, this is going to stop. It's not like we're going to be massively using it more in the next. We are going to have people who are using it because they're ill, but I doubt you'll see a huge uptick in the use of paracetamol. Mm. So I, th I think there probably won't be a doubling production. I must admit, yet. Tom, your faith in human nature exceeds mine because, I mean, yeah. I would have thought that after what we've seen for the last week in terms of the toilet paper scenario, that people would have got enough in the house now. In fact, I'd be amazed if they've got any room for any more. And yet, <laughs> it's still disappearing as fast as it gets put on the shelves. It is, it is. I mean, look, we are probably almost certainly in this for the very long haul, and we're really only a week into the realisation of that. Um, so uh, I, I think we'll, we'll have to calm down a bit. No, that doesn't mean there won't be other runs on other things, but uh, I think eventually we're going to say, you know what, we're OK for the new right. role. And what is the scientific community making of all of this? Because obviously, um, as I said at the top of the show, this is an incredibly unprecedented event. You know, we thought, uh, having got through Brexit, uh, that nothing could be worse than, you know, parliamentary stalemate. But suddenly, here we are, we found something that is worse than parliamentary stalemate. Yeah, I mean, this is... This is big. This is... It's huge. This is unprecedented. This is... I was in... Um, on Monday night, after the uh, Cobra press conference after Boris Johnson said that he was uh, effectively putting the country in lockdown. There was a second press conference from the scientific advisors who'd been advising him, this, this team from Imperial, um, where they outlined what was clearly the paper that had led to the change. And 
It was sobering stuff. We sat there and we heard them describe how current UK policy would have, in their estimation, resulted in the deaths of a quarter of a million people. Mm. And then, I mean, that's stark. But then we realised that the solution to that, the way of avoiding the deaths of a quarter of a million people, was almost as stark. It's that we are doing this now. You know, you see pictures of London completely empty. We all, I, I'm spending 14 days with my kids at home trying to work right. because our baby has a cough. And the end of this is not in sight. It really isn't. The, uh, the exit strategy, the scientists are completely clear. Look, we may get lucky. So uh, China and Hong Kong, uh, they're, they're lifting their restrictions. Now, it may be that somehow they managed to lift the restrictions and this doesn't return. Most virologists I've spoken to said that's unlikely. If it returns, then it's clear that the world's exit strategy from lockdown is a vaccine, and that's not going to happen within a year. No, quite. And, I mean, interestingly enough, I suppose, the only reason that uh, China got through what they got through, in, and it did take quite a long time, regardless of what anybody says, more or less three months, was they were able to quarantine an entire city. Yeah, yeah, and they, the measures that they put in place... Um, some of them aren't possible because of civil liberties, although the bill that was introduced yesterday is, is, is pretty draconian. Um, some of them aren't possible because of resources. Mm. So if you imagine China is a country of a billion people, yeah. they locked down a population about the same as the UK, um, and then they could bring in people from outside to help. Yeah. We can't do that. So one of the things that people are talking a lot about tracing and contact tracing and testing. So if you've been ill... You tr trace back the contacts, people you've met. Now, we have basically stopped doing that in Britain. Um, and bear in mind that Art, the guy who presented the paper uh, on, uh, on a quarter of a million deaths, yeah. is now one of the people who should be being contact traced, not least because he was in Downing Street on right. Monday night. Well, that's and an interesting is, line, isn't he it? He is ill. Um, but we have basically stopped doing that. We can't get in. in Wuhan, they had a team, they had 1,800 teams of epidemiologists, each with a minimum of five people in them, who were there to trace absolutely everyone who, who had been ill, everyone they had been in touch with, looking through CCTV, interviewing them, following their movements. And we just can't do that. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Well, it's going to be a very interesting time. I mean, I'm not even sure, Tom, when you come to the end of your 14-day self-isolation period, that you won't have another 14-day self-isolation period because there may be nowhere to come back to that is actually, you know, safe, as it were. I, I mean... I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm not suggesting that we've got a toxic <laughs> building here or anything, but, I mean, we're in it, but there's hardly anybody here. The canteen's closed. There's, it's like a ghost yeah. town. There's nobody on the reception desk. No visitors are allowed. Um, and it may not be any different in two weeks. Well, I'm going to be... I'm certainly going to be working from home then. Um, and, well, I was going to say, but hopefully my children will be back at school. But, A, I think it's likely schools will close. Yeah, I think so. The Easter holidays. Mm. So they'll be closed anyway. Yeah. I think, well, I'm wondering whether they'll be closed before that because already there's a lot of problems at some schools because the teachers are simply not going in because they don't want to expose themselves to it. Yeah, which I think is, you know, I, I, think, I think we have to strike a balance here. This is not a, this is not a bad disease so long as you don't have pre-existing conditions and you're not old. Yes. Um, and there are good reasons for keeping schools open. You know, the most obvious is that healthcare workers have sure. children. Um, and I, I think we should sort of pull back and take a deep breath. Um, but I, I, think, I think probably that certainly by Easter holidays, if I was in the government, I would be trying to see what effect the Easter holidays had on the spread of this. And if I noticed an effect, then I'd be saying, well, you're not coming back after that. Yes, no, quite. Tom, thanks very much indeed. Tom Whipple, their science editor at The Times, uh, telling us why there is this ridiculous kind of uh, theory going around on the internet and on social media in particular about ibuprofen uh, versus paracetamol. I've got a couple of good, interesting pieces of information here uh, from Carla, uh, who's always helpful because she works in the NHS, and she says this, you have to be careful with ibuprofen because they thin the blood. Paracetamol is the best to bring down a fever, but people underestimate its power, and ibuprofen is terrible for your stomach. Uh, it must always be taken after you've had food. So uh, bear that in mind, but certainly the suggestion from the Department of Health is that there is no evidence to say that ibuprofen is worse for you if you've got the coronavirus and that it somehow makes the coronavirus 
affect you more badly. The fact of the matter is uh, that paracetamol is what they recommend that you take, so just probably best to stick with that. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. Dan Wooten's here from four o'clock. Matthew Wright's not coming in now, so uh, I'm not sure who's doing it, but we will let you know as soon as we can uh, whether or not uh, it's going to be Mark Dolan. Certainly Kevin O'Sullivan will be here uh, because, of course, we all have to be very careful. You can't allow people to come to work uh, who think they're OK but might not be. It's not that simple, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're in the same situation, I would urge you uh, to do the same thing. Let's talk to Donna Harvey, though, who is our eyes and ears over in the United States of America. She's in Southern California. San Diego, to be precise. She's the co-host of the KOGO Breakfast Show. LaDonna, a very good morning to you. And a very good morning to you, too. And how's it all going in your neck of the woods? So it's uh, pretty insane. Um, most of the radio stations that, you know, we have about eight radio stations in, the, in this building, and most of them are broadcasting from home. Um, the news station that I work for, because we're news, and talk. Uh, we're we're here, but they've separated us out. We're in different studios. Um, oh, really? That's allowed- interesting. So you're not allowed to have more than one person in the studio at a time? Right. Uh, no more than one at a time, and we are, uh, we're just completely, we're separated by at least six feet. Right. Well, I mean, presumably you're used to that in your uh, world, because, of course, we know you to be quite antisocial as an individual. Right? I'm not a nice person, and most people don't want to be around me anyway, so this really works out. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of jokes doing the rounds about self-isolation. You know, uh, a friend of mine put a, a thing on Facebook saying, you know, uh, I've been doing this for 30 years, and my wife calls it not having any friends. <laughs> right, and, and, and he's absolutely correct. I, I am very good at self-isolating. I can keep myself entertained with a book. I don't even need Netflix. No, so who as does? Long as I've got Amazon, I'm good. Yeah, absolutely right. I wonder if there's going to be a rise in the uptake of people buying jigsaw puzzles. I don't know, <laughs> but we're not allowed to. <laughs> so no, probably not. Well, no, no. And so, what's the actual situation in uh, California as far as the actual kind of lockdown goes? Because you haven't, you've only got just about a hundred or so deaths, I think, in America, which is not many considering the size of the country. Right. Um, 108 deaths and 6,300 confirmed cases. And that's across the United States. So that's 350 million plus people. Right. Um, now, you know, we're just now ramping up the testing where people who are feeling ill or whatever can get tested. So I don't know what's going to happen in the next two weeks, but mm. there's going to be a spike. Without a doubt. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're being told by our government that they're expecting the numbers to double and sort of, um, you know, quadruple over t- over the next several weeks, basically. Yeah, with, you know, because there is going to be an increase in testing. So far, the testing has been limited to, you know, people who meet certain criteria. Mm. And unfortunately, with community spread, you don't meet that criteria. And we have community spread now, so we've got to get... We've got to get the testing ramped up. Yeah, and I was talking to my sister, who who I think you know lives in Connecticut and New York, and she was telling me that last weekend at Chicago O'Hare, as a result of the ban on people coming into the U.S. from the European mainland, people were queuing for like eight hours to get through immigration. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts, and yet, you know, very few... I canceled the flight to Phoenix. I was going to go see my dad, and he's 73 years old, and I had to cancel and just because I couldn't take the chance on infecting him and or bringing it back to this radio station sure. because I, I can't decimate the staff. No, exactly right. And people have to be that kind of responsible now, don't they? What about actual individual cities? Because I'm hearing San Francisco might be locking itself down at some point soon. San Francisco is locked down. Right. Um, and Orange County, which is the county right above mine if you're headed to L.A., uh, is locking down today. San Diego is not locked down. However, you know, we've closed all of the bars, uh, so, you know, millennials can't go out and party like it's 1999 uh, <laughs> because that's what they do. Um, if we if we could close the beaches, I think they'd do that because spring breakers are all over the beach. Yes. Um, you know, but so you can get takeout from restaurants, um of course, finding toilet paper and paper towels is almost impossible. Uh, and I had to sneak into a restaurant supply place yesterday, 
and got myself some, you know, some actual vegetables because you can't find them. I don't understand the vegetable stockpiling. You know, I can understand toilet paper up to a point. I can even understand buying loads of pasta. But why on earth are you overstocking your house with stuff that goes off? You know, I don't know. I, I, I got a bunch of carrots. I got a couple of pomegranates. I got three pears. I, you know, it's right. like, what can I eat in the next week? Full house. I don't want to go in bad. No, exactly. There's no point. I mean, you just have to keep making soup with it. I mean, I went into a place on Sunday night, which normally speaking is relatively safe from the hoarders, right? But literally everything was gone. It was like the locusts had been in and all that was left was one turnip and four apples. <laughs> and so I decided not to bother. Not pretty so I bought half a dozen oh. bottles. I bought half a dozen bottles of red wine and went home. <laughs> Exactly. I, you know, I keep I, the, the good news is the liquor stores and the and the you know corner liquor shops are open. Mm. So I went out and got a bottle of vodka because you never know when you're going to need that. No, exactly right. I mean, the big problem here as well, of course, is for uh, is, is the is the economy in terms of you know restaurants, bars, you know the airline businesses. What's Trump saying about all of that, and how much money is he setting aside? Uh, he is setting aside uh, quite a few billions of dollars to try to bail everybody out. Um, it's it's hit every facet of the economy in that, um, you know, all of these people who work at restaurants and bars are, are out of work. Right. And there's nowhere for them to go, and there are very few jobs, except if you want to work for Amazon in a grocery store, they're hiring mm. because they can't, they can't, they don't have enough people. Amazing. Absolutely incredible. So, what, I mean, do you think that you're going to be ending up in a sort of lockdown situation where you're just not going to be able to go out? Um, I think it's possible, certainly. Um, they have put us in for FEMA IDs so that if it comes to it, uh, those of us who are on the air can actually travel to the radio station to broadcast right. um, and, and get through the National Guard. If it comes to it, which I I would be surprised if it did. Yeah, I've also seen pictures on social media, I don't know how accurate they are, of people um, sort of stockpiling guns in the U.S., well, yes, and I mean, here we are in Southern California, and there was a, a, a news crew outside of a gun store, and there were people in line, six feet apart, which, you know, thank you for that, uh, who are buying guns. I guess they're afraid that people are going to come in and steal all of the toilet paper from their garage. <laughs> I guess the thing is, in America, whenever there is a crisis, people just go and buy more guns. That's what they do. I guess. I'm bizarre, and, you know, it? as far as I know, you can only shoot one, I guess, maybe two at a time. I don't know. I've never tried that. Right. Uh, no. But, you know, for me, it would just be one. Yes. I think one would be sufficient. I would, too. Yeah. I, I would and so that. has this thrown the whole kind of presidential election thing into, into craziness? Because the campaign presumably can't continue. Um, yeah, they, it is uh, quite the mess. Ohio had a primary yesterday scheduled and canceled it, although they did uh, three others. I think Arizona was one of them. Yeah. Um, and Joe Biden decisively won, uh, what was it, Arizona, Florida, and one other. And, um, you know, I think at this point Bernie drops out, but Bernie doesn't like to drop out. So. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I mean the thing is, with so many yeah. old people in the race, they're all at risk, aren't they? Everybody's at risk. Yeah. Um, if, you know, you're, if you're older, you're at risk of dying. If you're younger, you're, you know, you have a better chance of surviving. But everybody's at risk. Yeah, absolutely. And bad news for all the sort of middle class yuppies. Glastonbury's just been cancelled. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Yeah, That's... no, we, we, we have cancelled virtually everything. I mean, Coachella, any kind of a concert. Yeah. Any kind of uh, a show, even at a small theatre. There is no entertainment other than what you can get on your iPad. Yes. I've had to cancel my world tour as well, uh, just as it was in its infancy. Oh, that is unfortunate. It isn't it just? Yeah, what, never mind. Maybe, you, maybe I'll just you, go home and drink some more. <laughs> well, there you go. You have red wine and a turnip. Yeah, no, I've got bad news. I've drunk all that. I'll have to go get more. <laughs> well, enjoy. I hope the good stuff is Hey, Will, I shall see you soon. And LaDonna Harvey reporting in there from KOGO San Diego. Isn't that interesting that they only allow one person in the, in the radio studio at a time? We should do that here, shouldn't we? I've only got one person in the studio with me, and that would be me. Other shows, please take note. This is Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
This is Talk Radio, and of course, uh, we are the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Don't forget there is a podcast that goes out every single day. Uh, and if you have missed any of the show at any point, uh, you can go to our YouTube feed and watch the whole show back again. Now, I can't imagine why you would want to do that uh, if you hadn't watched it the first time around, but you never know. You know, in these days of self-isolation, you need to have as much to watch as possible. And if you go onto our YouTube channel, you will find all sorts of episodes of Plank of the Week, which we've been doing since January, all sorts of episodes of Off Air, and I would urge you to go and watch them all because they are still just as relevant now as they were. We're slightly delayed this week with our Plank of the Week, but we're going to be filming it tomorrow uh, in the company of Andre Walker uh, and Dave Chowner because in the end, the best thing we can do uh, is to still make people laugh from time to time. And there are still plenty of planks to be pointed out. I have to tell you, there is no shortage of them whatsoever. Let's go to the phones, though. Tristan is in Luton. Hello, Tristan. Hi, Mike. How hey, are you? I'm very well, sir. What can I do for you? Um, I know everyone's saying as regards to the health, and the health implications are so important. I myself, I've had, I had cancer, mm. which I got cleared of, and I suffer from Crohn's as well. Okay. Um, so I suppose I'm in that sort of vulnerable sort of situation. However, I do pride myself on being very fit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the reason for my call is I was, when things like this happen, it does. I do sort of, you know, get a bit um, autistic with it and look at so many different things. And I was reading that Thailand, for example, um, they are looking to do helicopter payments for everyone. Oh, yeah. And it's all well and good, the, um, the government you know, saying they're going to issue all this cash, but they've got to do it as soon as possible. Yes. Well, this is um, what troubles me slightly, because I'm not sure exactly what the mechanism is. If I went to, I don't know, the government tomorrow and said, where's this money, then how do I get it? I don't know exactly. the answer to that. That's what I mean. The bureaucracy is just going to be ridiculous. Mm. I mean, my, my partner, she lost her contracts last year. Right. Who was going to support her? I mm. had to support her. No one else is going to support her. Right. You know, and with this situation, it's going to decimate the economy. And I just hope the government do literally start putting out cash out there, especially mm. for the hospitality industry, which is just going to be, well, destroyed. Well, exactly. I mean, I, I feel really, really bad, funnily enough, for those people in, in pubs and in restaurants, because they're the, they're the sort of people on the front line who are mostly going to be affected straight away. Yeah, I mean, my friend got made redundant um, last week uh, from a, quite a well-known well chain, which mm. I didn't expect had to happen, to be honest with you. But um, And a friend of mine who's a chef in London, as you can imagine, you know, he's so, someone that doesn't know what, what, what's going on. No, right. Well, and I spoke to the owner of a restaurant yesterday, uh, Cyrus Tony Waller, saying, and, yeah. and he said, you know, if, at least if they knew, for example, that they had to close for a month or two months, that would be something. But without knowing when they can sort of close for, it's very difficult. I just hope common sense is going to prevail because at the moment there is a lot of people in total, total limbo. Yeah. And I mean, I sort of get the fact that we have to do this and they have to try their best to limit the spread as much as they possibly can. But I, it, it seems to me to be a bit over the top, even still. I think, it, I, I have to say, I, I do agree, agree with you in, the, in a lot of cases. The other thing I'm wondering is what are the implications in regards to, um, to China? Because they have, they have, like, you know, not destroyed the world, well, but not, not far from it. Certainly, I've had conversations with people, and I want to get into this, maybe not, today is not the day, but, but at some point, as to what they're planning to do to sort of make reparations for this because they have completely destroyed the world's economy, effectively. I know it's not their fault, but it came from China. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. interesting. Well, great call. Tristan, look, stay safe. Good luck to you. Uh, Rambling Daz says, my two sons have been sent home from their school due to it closing today. Uh, that's Maginford School in Maidstone. Uh, and I've got this from Steve, who says, the Blue School in Wells in Somerset is closed to all Key Stage 3 students, years 7, 8 and 9. So clearly, schools are starting to kind of have to close, partly because a lot of the teachers are not making it in, I believe. Let's talk to Yana, uh, who's in Market Drayton in Shropshire. Hello, Yana. Oh, good morning. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Uh, I, I'm in shock. I'm, I'm in panic mode. Both my daughters have been Skyping me, telling me to calm down. I'm, a, I'm looking after... I'm, I'm a single carer for my disabled granddaughter. She has Angelman syndrome. Okay. And yesterday, when she got off the bus, the bus lady said, that's it, the school's shut till further notice. Um, I haven't put everything in place mm. for her done some online shopping, don't know how much of that's going to arrive. She's vulnerable because she, she has asthma and she takes asthma steroid tablets for it. So okay. How old is she? Asthma. She's eight years old okay. and uh, there's nothing in place. For six months I've been putting in place respite care and help with her because she can become it's a 24-7 job, she doesn't sleep well, she can have tantrums when she gets bored. 
What the hell am I going to do with her for six months? Mm. I don't see the schools opening up before September. No. Not, not with them saying it's peaking around July. And is it a special um, school that she goes to? Yeah, she goes to a special school, and I don't blame the headmistress. That they've re- they've worked out that most of the children are vulnerable. Most of them have underlying health conditions. Some are tube fed. Some, you know, because they're they're all disabled mm. children. Right. So. Is there and, no and what, um, is there no respite care for your do- your granddaughter in in any way, shape, or form in that area? There is, but they're shutting down as well because right. you know um, how do you know how do we. Um, send them to respite when children can't and, and adults can't congregate in the same yes, place. Yes, of course, I see what you mean. You, no, it's, it's, it's a difficult keeping problem. Her in, it, it's, I tell you, I, I, I mean, yesterday I was in shock. Today I got very depressed because mm. trying to keep her entertained during the holidays is hard enough. Of because course. She can't talk very well, she's non-verbal, she's in nappies. If she watches TV for a few hours, then she gets bored. Mm. What do I do? What? How? You know, all the all the soft play areas are shutting. Yes. Um, is there anyone? Know, el- there's no one else in your family that can help out. My daughter is self isolating because her colleague at work at uh, Dur- uh, at Birmingham University, his wife has. has okay. Uh, all right. But so there might be a chance that she would be free of that in a, in a couple of weeks, maybe. A couple of weeks. Yes. Yes. Okay. But um, but it's just. I, I just really feel for people with children with, dis- with, with mm. disabilities who have to force these children to stay at home who can become very, very unhappy and, and can become physically, yes. you know... No, yeah, listen, I, total, I totally sympathise with you. Is there anything the local council could do or the local health authority, maybe? I spoke to social services. I yeah. said, what is the first port of call? If I get, if I become ill, who's going to take her? Yeah. Uh, a few days when I spoke to them, they were having meetings about this and, right. and they were looking at all the vulnerable children to see what plan they can come up with. Mm. And they said, uh, you know, first, first port of call is call them. Right. I'm assuming they're going to have some sort of respite facili- emergency facility in place for that well, they'd have to, wouldn't they? Because, as you say, if, if something happened to you, they would have to take care of her. Well, yeah, I can't. If I'm laid up in bed, you know, I had I had uh, bronchitis last year. I was laid up in bed for for five days. I couldn't move, so I won't be able to look after her. She needs a nappy change. She needs to be fed. She needs to be dressed. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, so... Well, listen, anyway, um, if, if, I, if anybody you... lets us know what you can do, Yana, if anybody knows anything that Yana could do uh, or get help from a place, maybe a private uh, charity or something like that, by all means, please let us know and we can tell Yana. You have my greatest sympathy, Yana. Thank you for calling in. Uh, she's in Market Drayton. She has a disabled granddaughter and she needs to know whether she's able to get some kind of respite care uh, despite the fact that the school that her granddaughter is in has basically closed up shop because they don't want to have the children uh, infect each other because they all have underlying health conditions and it could become a deadly situation. These are the kinds of things that you can't really predict, that you can't even imagine happening, but are happening as more and more of these types of schools and all schools start to close down the doors and start to tell people not to bother coming because they, one, either don't want the spread of the disease to happen anymore, but also, two, they simply do not have the staff to keep open. It's that simple. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.